Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you Renaissance people. Okay, yes, this is Dr. John Bergman from 2017, The Dark Ages. Okay, today we're talking about body weight exercises. Now, this is, it's also on ExtremeChallenge.com. This is the Body Weight Exercise Day. Uh, and or extremehealthchallenge.com. I, I recommend you go to it because it is kind of fun. On on there, I do a couple of demonstrations using a picnic bench. But a lot of people they're missing the opportunity to work their body. Now, the longest lived males on the planet, okay, live in Sardinia. Now these guys walk every day. They got purpose. Um, they they literally work out by utilizing their environment. Now, the we're talking people that live well over 100, and we're talking phenomenal shape. I mean, excellent. They can walk multiple miles. They do a lot of different activities. they got a sense of purpose. But no, none of them have joined a gym. And when you look at gyms, gyms have gone from muscle-isolating exercises to now they have sledgehammers, tires, and ropes in these gyms. And they're finding out one of the best ways to work is to work a number of muscle groups in a number of different ways. And this is really exciting in the world because if you don't have time to go to a gym, like let's say you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and you can be working until 8 o'clock at night, your your day is fairly full. <laughs> You're not going to be working out. But aside from parking your car far in the parking lot and walking a little bit more, what other kind of things can you do? Well, first, we've got to change your desire. We've got to get you to want to exercise. Now, there's so many things you can do, such as carrying your packages out away from your body. Instead of utilizing a shopping cart, if you're taking just a few bags, if physically carry those bags, parking a little bit further away. And we're going to walk through certain exercises that you can do just at a desk, utilizing a desk. Uh, but why should you exercise? First, regular exercise. And I'm not talking about, you know, spending two hours a day at the gym. I mean a half hour to an hour's worth of exercise every day, seven days a week, the rest of your life. Why? Because it helps you get high-quality sleep. It helps improve brain function, lowers your risk of cancer, heart disease, diabetes. Uh, when you look at the Journal of Sports Medicine, and we're talking just minimal amounts of exercise, it increases angiogenesis. This means blood vessels actually form uh, neurogenesis, synaptogenesis, and a synthesis of neurotransmitters. So all of these things, neurogenesis means nerve cells can regenerate, nerves can develop a better connection, and neurotransmitters. So this is all involved in brain function. So when we have an excess of Alzheimer's, dementia, anxiety, stress, would it be a good idea to move your body a half hour a day and reverse this process? Now, let's look at the structures inside of the brain. Now, exercise training improves the size of the hippocampus. Now, the hippocampus is a structure deep inside of the brain, and what they've seen typically on people with anxiety, stress, 
uh, you have a very small hippocampus. And people with, uh, that meditate, that have dynamic health, have a large hippocampus. And so this hippocampus is a structure inside of the brain that can grow and shrink. I know, I know right now, some of you have hippocampus envy. Okay, well, let me show you how to make that hippocampus grow. Yeah, baby, you know how you do it? Aerobic exercise. Honest to goodness. All you got to do is elevate your heart rate for 20 minutes a day. And, and this could be as simple as working out while you're standing at the copy, copy machine. It could be as simple as fast walking in, into Walmart after you parked at the furthest part of their parking lot. So aerobic exercise literally reverses hippocampal volume loss in late adulthood. See, one of the reasons that the hippocampus shrinks as we age is because typically people move less as we age. You get more into, you know, sedentary lifestyle work. You, uh, other things become more important than working out. Now, exercise also encourages a, a vigorous release of accumulated toxins through better, better blood flow. Uh, exercise increases blood flow to your brain, increases oxygen to the brain. So this is absolutely phenomenal. When you look at anxiety and depression... Uh, now, this is this doc, world-renowned expert in utilizing mind-body medicine to heal depression, Dr. James Gordon. Uh, you got to listen to this. Quote, what we are finding in research on physical exercise is that exercise is as least as good as antidepressants for people helping, um, for helping people who are depressed. Physical exercises changes the level of serotonin in your brain and it increases endorphin levels. Exercise can increase the number of cells in your brain and in the region of the brain called the hippocampus. End of quote. So, so brilliant. So when you look at this, people with depression and anxiety have less cells in that hippocampus. They, the people with anxiety and stress have a smaller hippocampal uh, volume. So when we talk about neurogenesis, when we talk about angiogenesis, synaptogenesis, neurogenesis means nerve cells are regenerated. So if you don't get that you have to exercise every day yet, Okay, let me um, give you a little bit more incentive. And then, and then, because I know you're rolling your eyes right now. You're thinking, okay, great, I want to exercise, but I've got so many things to do right now. What can I do? What can I do? Well, I'm, we're going to tell you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how to exercise even if you have little to no time during the day. Why? Because we're going to make your body a priority. So first, what are the types of exercise we got? Well, we've got aerobic, anaerobic, and balance and flexibility. So aerobic exercise literally means air. You're using oxygen to fuel the body. 
anaerobic means you're not going to be oxygenating the tissue. You're actually utilizing glucose for short, intense workloads. So think of this. When you see someone lifting a great weight, and, and I want you to think of the um, Russian weightlifters, okay, the, these giant, massive guys. And the, the reason I think of Russian weightlifters is because when I was a kid in the 70s, we saw Alexei. Now, he was the biggest, baddest, beefiest guy you ever saw. Bear of a man. And in the 70s, he was winning all the weightlifting competitions. Well, what he would do, he would hyperventilate to get oxygen in the system. But when he lifted that weight, he was straining. He went, lifting up. Okay, and that's anaerobic. So he's utilizing glucose for intense short workloads. And then the next, think more of dance, ballet, yoga, flexibility. And this lengthens muscles, increases range of motion, and enhances overall function. So examples of aerobic exercise. You know, obviously walking, dancing, CrossFit, jogging, running, bicycling, uh, swimming, cross-skiing. I mean, any one of these could be, to be considered aerobic exercise. When my mom was alive, she would think shopping was an aerobic exercise. Okay, so, so now can we do this a little bit throughout the day? Absolutely. How about if you're going out to lunch with your friends? Uh, park far away, park a block or two away from the restaurant and fast walk towards the, the restaurant. Uh, if you have to wear specialized shoes, get a pair of shoes that you can walk in comfortably and put those away. If you're doing intermittent fasting and you're not eating during lunch or you're taking a fasting day a week, beautiful. During lunch, do a fast walk. And this is so simple, so easy to do, okay? And even dancing. How about taking up a, a salsa class, okay, two nights a week? Beautiful. That counts as an aerobic activity. Now, what are examples of an anaerobic activity? How about resistance training? Now, the resistance training is just your you're pushing against something with resistance. Now, you can have rubber bands. You can have your body weight and gravity. Uh, you can have weights. Then there's weight training. Sprinting would be an anaerobic activity. And what I want you to do, think of this. I know you're thinking sprinting is running, but look at those people that are marathon runners. What do they look like? They look like little sticks. They don't have big, massive arms. They don't have big upper bodies. Why? Because they're designed to be lean and to have um, just just to to get those muscles floating through the air. They don't have a huge amount of bulk that they got to bring on a 26-mile run. Now, what do the sprinters look like? Now, these guys are built like tanks. They've got huge upper bodies. Why? Because for balance and speed, they've got to throw their arms forward and back with incredible speed in order to propel their bodies forward through space. And what about power lifting, interval training? All of these are anaerobic activities. Now, examples of flexibility and balance. Okay, we're talking dynamic movements. Dynamic movements within the full range of motion. So 
Think of Tai Chi yoga. There's also a static active flexibility. This is going to be an ability to stretch an agonist and antagonist muscle, uh, only to the tension of the opposite muscles. So when you look at your extremities, you've got muscles on one side, muscles on the other. And these muscles work together to either extend your arm or flex your arm, or extend your leg or flex your leg. And those muscles that work in opposite ranges of motion are called agonist and antagonist. And so when you're stretching one, contracting the other, that actually gives a stretch on one side and a, and, um, a flexion on the other. You do the other direction, it's going to flex one side and stretch the other. There's also static passive flexibility. This is holding a stretch using the body weight or some external force. And this could be as simple as just extending your arm and using the other hand to stretch the fingers back. That would be an example of a static passive flexibility stretch. So let's look at the muscles. See, the muscles are composed of these actin and myosin filaments. And what's neat about them is the more these actinomycin filaments come in contact, the more the muscle can put forth energy. So this means the more contracted that muscle is, the more power that muscle can produce because the more of those actinomycin filaments are in connection. What do I mean by that? Okay, so think of this. <clears throat> you're never going to see an aboriginal person that's going to lift a log, extend their arm out completely, and grab that log and then curl it in for them to pick up. Why? Because when an arm is extended out, let's say you want to lift something with your hands, <clears throat> it's at its weakest point <clears throat> because those actinomycin filaments aren't in connection. Now, what if you were to bend that arm at 90 degrees? Is your arm considerably stronger <coughs> at 90 degrees than if it was extended? Absolutely. So this is why people are going to shorten or contract their extremity, work their body underneath, the what they need to lift and then lift accordingly and this is why recruiting different muscle groups actually develops more strength and this is why in gyms you're going to see these heavy ropes for people to use or um, different resistance training different straps you're going to see sledgehammers large tires that these people have to lift up and flip over and it's something, because when I was working in construction, when I was 12, uh, I didn't know that that was better than a gym, lifting doors. I know, how crazy is that? So, <laughs> so when you look at this, <coughs> I'm going to show you a different way to work out. But let's look at the type of muscle fibers. There's going to be two types of muscle fibers, okay, fast twitch and slow twitch. And it's really the types of contraction speed. Now, it, it's interesting because 50 to 60% of your muscles are fast twitch fibers. That means when you call on them, they're going to react quickly. However, um, type 1 are going to be more slow 
twitch fibers or slow um, contracting fibers. Now, knowing that these two fibers, what type of exercise is best for them? Well, aerobic exercise uses the slow twitch. Okay, so think of this. So when you're working um, an aerobic exercise, let's say you're a marathon runner, you want slow, steady, steady, steady. Okay, so you can do the same activity over a long period of time. Now, let's say you're doing an anaerobic where you need to lift a great weight. Those are going to be more fast twitch fibers. The misconception I want you to get is that cardio works the heart muscle where uh, anaerobic doesn't, and that's not true. Okay, your heart is working to generate um, oxygen to that tissue so it can be utilized. And so you need the oxygen, but you also need to get that body working correctly and working long term. The heart does work under aerobic exercise, but when you're watching a marathon runner run, and this is the interesting part, initially that heart elevates rapidly. But then after mile after mile after mile, the heart actually calms down into an appropriate rhythm. So after hour after hour of a marathon runner running, um, the, the heart is actually in a comfortable state. Not a resting state, but it's in a comfortable state. Now think about a person lifting a great weight. Okay, and they're straining, they're lifting. What color are they turning? Red. Because that heart is elevating blood pressure to get nutrients to that muscle, to get that glucose to that muscle so that muscle can burn it. So the misconception that happens in a lot is that aerobic exercise works the heart where lifting exercises or anaerobic doesn't. And that's, that's actually not true. Now, what's interesting is high-intensity interval training engages all muscle-type fibers. So, so that's why when you're looking at this, um, some of the best exercises out there are going to be the high-intensity interval training. But now that we're talking about muscles, I want you to look at eccentric and concentric contractions. Because in a lot of gym environments, you'll see people grabbing a weight, such as doing a curl. This means that you have a weight in front of you, grasp in your hand, your palm is facing away from you, and you're going to bend your arm to 90 degrees, lifting that weight up in front of you. And this is really a common motion doing something called a curl. Now, what a lot of people will do is they'll throw their body up, they'll throw the weight up in the air, and they'll contract it as quick as they can, and they'll call that one. And then they'll drop it down to the ground really rapidly, and then they'll twist their body around to throw that weight up, and then they'll call that two. Okay, now, let's since we have little time and a lot of work to get done, because you're going to be working out your whole life, and you're going to be doing this stuff a half hour a day. How about we maximize the amount of time and maximize the amount of effect of working out? Let's look at eccentric and concentric contractions. Concentric means that the muscle is shortening, and the weight is generally coming towards you. Eccentric 
is the muscle is under a force load while the muscle fibers are lengthening. You actually gain more muscle mass by doing eccentric contractions where you're elevating that or your that weight is under a force load going away from your body. Isn't that cool? So so you start looking at this. So picture this. You're doing a curl, a standard curl. But let's do it slowly. Because remember, you're talking high-intensity interval training. So this way, you're going to actually be able to lift greater weights in a shorter amount of time and get a more complete workout. So let's say that you can do 20 reps of 20 pounds, okay, and then your body's exhausted. How about doing four reps of... 80 pounds or four reps of 50 pounds. So this is what you're going to do. You pick pick whatever weight you can lift, okay? And now you're going to slowly, over the count of 10, and you're going to go one, two, and you're slowly contracting that muscle. But remember, your muscles are going to be burning oxygen. Your heart rate's going to be elevated. So I want you to breathe like it's Lamaze class. So you're going slow, heavy, high-intensity resistance weight. So you're breathing like while that muscle is contracting. And then once it's contracted, breathe just as rapidly and go as slow as possible with that weight going away from your body. And I guarantee you, within about four to five reps, your muscles have had a complete workout and they're drained. But also make sure you're thinking about those actin myosin filaments. You don't want to put a muscle that is stretched out completely under a full strain. So shorten your muscle movement. That means if you're going to do a curl, you don't start off with your arm straight. Keep that arm bent at 90 degrees so more of those actinomycin filaments are engaged. And then that way, when you put it under weight, you're actually going to be lifting more. Now, understand the benefits of high-intensity interval training. This is so important. Okay, and we're talking on um, an eight-week study. You're talking a 700% increase in human growth hormone. I mean, people are getting injections of human growth hormone uh, to build muscle mass so they look better. How about just doing eight weeks of high-intensity interval training? See, what this high human growth hormone does, you're talking robust health and strength fat burning, strength, longevity, anti-aging, healing, and growth repair. I mean, this is vital. So here's the step, uh, steps for high-intensity interval training. First, warm up for three minutes. And this could be as, as simple as doing a fast walk, stretching your arms, deep breathing. And then exercise as hard and fast as you can for 30 seconds. So as hard and fast as you can for 30 seconds. And this could be <clears throat> running, sprinting. It could be lifting an amazing weight. And So by the end of the 30 seconds period, you should be breathing hard. You're going to have difficulty in breathing. You should start to be been profusely sweat around the second or third repeti repetition. 
uh, you're going to feel a muscle burn as lactic acid increases. Now, lactic acid is amazing. Um, this is what your muscles are going to start to produce under anaerobic activity. Now, lactic acid increases endurance. Uh, it's phenomenally beneficial. And in fact, in studies where scientists who supposedly knew more than the body, they gave sodium bicarbonate to reduce lactic acid. And sure enough, the athletes felt better. They were less sore after the workout. However, their performance fell dramatically. And that sucks if you're an athlete and you want to perform better. So what they found out that lactic acid actually increases endurance and increases strength. So cool. Love that lactic. Okay, then after you've worked out really hard for 30 seconds, recover for 90 seconds. And then you do this, um, this activity of 30 seconds of intensity followed by 90 seconds of recovery. Do this between five and seven to ten times. Seven times is a good, is a good amount of time to gauge it. But that is phenomenal, simple, easy to do. And you can utilize anything around you. So think about if you have a desk there. What I want you to do, if, if you're not in good shape and you haven't worked out for years, use a wall. So stand just a couple of feet away from the wall. You're going to put your hands flat on the wall. And I know it, you're thinking this reminds you of back when you were a teenager and you got arrested for shoplifting and the police told you to put your hands on a wall. Yeah, I know. It's a familiar position. Okay, but just put your hands on a wall. Okay, and what you're going to do, you're going to do a push-up. And you're going to think, well, this is ridiculously easy. I know. A push-up against a wall standing a couple of feet. This is a good start. Okay, it's a good, you, how does the longest journey begin? With one step. So let's say you're a couple hundred pounds overweight. You've never exercised ever. You're taking 20 different medications. This is a good start. Okay, do a few push-ups against a wall. But do them where your body, again, your, bent at, your arms are bent at 90 degrees. You're going in very, very slowly. You're going out very, very slowly. If you're in a little bit better shape, Try putting your hands on a desk. Beautiful. So this way you're at a little bit of an angle and going down slowly and going up slowly. If you're a little bit better shape, try doing a push-up flat. If you're not in 100% best shape, uh, do the push-up on your knees. Okay, so, so there's a number of different ways from the person that's not used to exercising to the person that's utilizing exercise all the time. A push-up is a great way to start. And then you can even do a reverse position where you can put the back of your hands on it, stand backwards facing your desk. You put your palms on that desk and lower your body slowly down and then push it slowly back up. <clears throat> now, I'm just talking using a desk. What if you're shopping at a supermarket and you get a couple of bags of groceries? How about carrying those bags of groceries away from your body on the way towards the car? Oh, my God, there's so many little things that you could do. And so, so look at all the little things you can do. Look at parking away from, from uh, the, your work or your restaurant. 
Uh, I mean, obviously ordering healthy food, but look at all the ways that you can utilize just your own body. What if you're just standing in line and you start going from standing to standing on your toes, standing to standing on your toes? Very simple calf workout and you're using gravity. What if you were to put your hands on a counter and extend your arms so you're lifting your body up with your hands? So there's so many different ways that you can utilize your body weight to do exercise. You don't need to go to the gym. But you do need to work your body a half hour a day every day. <clears throat> now, go to ExtremeHealthChallenge.com. And we have done a lot of work on the website. God bless Justin and Kate for doing all the work because this is starting something new. Like when they went to the moon uh, you know, with rockets, some people think that they actually went there, but they're the ones that think that we went to the moon? Do you remember how many rockets blew up when they were practicing? Lots of rockets blew up. Okay, so when we launched this 21-day challenge, the website wasn't working really well. But it's working good now. So get on there. Get on ExtremeHealthChallenge.com. And we have a 21-day challenge, and you can go back through. Because we've had a lot of people say, look, you know, can I start halfway through? Look, it's day 16. There's only five more days left. Can I get on there? Yes, you can. You can go back and do some of the challenges. Heck, you can do a couple a day. And you're going to see there's simple, simple lifestyle changes. And next week, we're going to talk a, a bit about the flu shot. Boy, is that going to be fun. Is it panic, hype, or just a way to control society? Yeah, that's right. We're going to go over the facts. <sighs> this is Dr. John Bergman, your health advocate. And in fact, when you look, walk by the mirror, look at your reflection and say, Hey, I'm made in the image and likeness of God. I look pretty good. I must be designed to work on this planet. And you are. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you. I love you. And make health your priority.